Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Scripture in Black and White. Uh, here with myself, Anthony Walker and uh, Bobby Harrington. Bobby, good to be with you again. Uh, today, we are going good to, to be with you, my friend and yeah, brother. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Good to be with you. Today, we're going to kind of navigate through another subject uh, pertaining to our faith and pertaining to what Scripture teaches, and that is uh, the essentials. Uh, now, we're going to break this up in a couple of different episodes, so we want you to be sure to tune in to each of those because uh, we will deal with the essential elements of the gospel, uh, the personal elements, and the important elements. But today, uh, we will begin with the essentials. Um, Bobby, you know, you and I have talked about this. Uh, there can be some confusion as it relates to you know, what is a person supposed to do and, and how are they supposed to respond uh, to their faith as they begin um, this journey? Bobby, do you see uh, some of the same confusion there? Yeah, I see a lot of confusion. Uh, on the one hand, there's confusion because the Bible's a really big book and people will go, okay, so you demonstrated last week that uh, I can trust the historicity of Jesus. And we talked about, you know, how Jesus' words in the Gospels uh, should be taken as reliable. Historians take them as reliable unless they have a reason not to uh, based on, you know, their own presuppositions and that. But just on strictly historical grounds, uh, we're going to take them, we're going to take them as, uh, you know, Jesus' words. Well, then people go, wow, that's a lot of stuff. I mean, you've got the Gospels, you got these documents written 1500 years ago, uh, you know, like 3,500 years ago. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the Gospels themselves are like 2,000 years ago. And it's like so confusing, like uh, just to help people to say, hey, of all the things that are in there, hey, there's some stuff that's essential. And uh, we want to focus on that. It's going to be about Jesus and his gospel. So, yeah, I find a lot of confusion about that. And the second part of that is then people say, okay, uh, I like what you said about Jesus and his sacrifice for my sins. But how do I figure out, like, who's really upholding the real Jesus? There's a thousand different denominations and churches, and each one of them has the what they think is their own corner on the truth. And how do I know? Like, help me out. What's really you know, central for us. And mm -hmm. I've had that, I had that question myself and I have that question all the time with people uh, trying to figure it out when you have conversations. Uh, I started a Bible study. I hope it's okay <clears throat> to talk about this, but I started a Bible study several months ago and we were meeting in a cigar shop and uh, guys were smoking cigars and I had the best conversations in this cigar shop. Uh, and these are the kind of conversations that the guys brought up. Yeah. So, you know, as you pointed out, people will, you know, want to try to respond. OK, well, what do I do and what's most important? Um, so we really need to start with, OK, what, you know, as we talked about with Jesus, um, now that I believe Jesus and, and I made this comment in one of the previous episodes to say, OK, if you believe in Jesus, then I also have to believe in 
what Jesus says and, and what Jesus teaches. And so the teachings of Jesus go beyond just, you know, the words that came from his mouth as he walked the earth. Uh, he referenced the Old Testament uh, quite a bit. He referenced uh, some of the teachings of the former prophets. So in, in my reading, as you pointed out with this big book, I've got to also go back and look back. OK, well, what did they say and how does this relate? And even what he's you know teaching the disciples, OK, which which one of these so, you know, we've compiled a list of what the essential elements that, OK, if, if someone is just now coming into faith, coming to understand a, a little bit about the gospel, um, these essential elements, what are these essentials? We'll talk about that uh, today. And, and this can be a launching point for your study. So there may be those who you know, have been in the church for a while or those who are ready to deeply uh, engage, let's examine these essentials of the gospel. Uh, let's start off, Bobby. What is what is what's a couple of the essentials that you see uh, that we need? Okay. Hey, Anthony, before we jump in, if, okay. if it's okay, I'd like to talk about uh, the paradigm uh, or a model or a way of thinking about this. Gotcha. Uh, that my friends, like my friends who uh, didn't believe, but now they believe, or my friends who come from really rigid legalistic backgrounds, uh, the paradigm that, that we find really helpful. And it's really based around common sense to, to in many ways as well. Like we know in life, there are some things that are just black and white and uh, we all want to like, oh, that's that's really clear. That's black and white. Like no, no adult should ever sexually, you know, abuse a child. Mm -hmm. It's like everybody says that's a black and white. Mm -hmm. And then there are things that, you know, we know we know is not right. Like we know if you abuse alcohol, we know that if you, um, you know, live unhealthy lives, that's not good for you. Mm -hmm. And like that's really important to get that right. And then there are a whole bunch of areas in life where it's just kind of like, you know, different people have different opinions and there isn't a right or wrong about it. Like, you know, some people like cantaloupe. I don't like cantaloupe. <laughs> when I was a kid, I ate uh, rotten cantaloupe. Uh, it was under ice cream once and uh, I ate it. I was like 10 years old. And <laughs> every time now I go to eat cantaloupe, that memory is back there in my mind and I don't like cantaloupe. Oh, man. Well, and you probably love cantaloupe. No, I, I don't. So, I don't like it either. But but I'm thankful to God that my salvation is not based on me eating cantaloupe. <laughs> <laughs> so, but let's let's now uh, look at that paradigm, okay. that model, or that way, and we actually see that there's some things in the New Testament that they're table pounding issues, like the Apostle Paul will say, "Hey, you know." I gave this to you as of first importance, mm -hmm. or he'll when he's going to talk about the gospel, or he says in Galatians, he said, uh, if somebody teaches a different gospel than this gospel, they'll be eternally condemned. Mm -hmm. So it's like, whoa, that's black and white stuff. Mm -hmm. That's heaven and hell stuff. Mm -hmm. But then there are other things in the Bible where, like the Apostle Paul, he writes to a church and he says, hey, you, you guys aren't doing this right. Like, you you need to you need to follow my instructions like when he writes to the church in Ephesus mm -hmm. through Timothy and he says hey I, I hear this is going on that's not right don't do that mm 
Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, he tells us in First Timothy that I've written these things to you so that you will know how people ought to conduct themselves in the household of faith. Right. So he's he's telling them, hey, this is a matter of faithfulness. So it may not be essential, but it's important. Yeah. And then yeah. in Romans 14, as we're going to see as we dive into this, uh, the Apostle Paul, as God inspires him, he says these are disputable matters. Some Christians, uh, they eat pork. Some Christians don't. Some Christians observe the Sabbath. Some don't. Some Christians drink wine. Some don't. You got to figure that out because God doesn't have a specific way for you to go on that. And so uh, that idea that in Scripture, there's some essentials. We we want to work really hard and make sure we're we're getting those right. Mm-hmm. Then there are other things that they're important. We we might go to one church over another because we want to be faithful, even though we say at that church they're they're still saved because they have the essentials right. Mm-hmm. But on these important teachings, they could be more faithful. And then there are other areas where we say, you know, hey, it, it, God gives us freedom, and it's a disputable matter. It's a a personal matter, a personal truth, mm-hmm. or a, a you know, peripheral truth. Mm-hmm. So that paradigm and the diagram that we have there is really important. Now, I want to say one thing about the diagram that's not clear when you have like a bullseye uh, and you have the gospel at the center, then the next ring is the important teachings, and then the next ring is the personal ones. Here's what's not clear and should be. At the center of everything is Jesus Christ. Yes. Jesus, the Messiah. He's our teacher, our Lord. Uh, he's our sacrifice for atonement. He's the one we look to to come back and redeem us. And every day when we get up, we say, King Jesus, we want to follow you because you're the center of our lives. So it's not just this thing about him. It's actually the person of Jesus that's going to be at the center. That's awesome. That's awesome. So um, thank you for breaking all of that down as to how we look at these uh, essential and important and personal uh, items. And we'll find some uh, biblical examples, uh, some examples directly from Scripture that show you these uh, particular elements. I like what you brought up about how Paul brings that up, um, that, hey, this is of first importance. We got to take care of this. Uh, we find in uh, the book of Acts how uh, these new babes in Christ, newly uh, baptized believers in Christ, their first uh, you know, walk in the Lord, they continued in the apostles' doctrine. We need to know, okay, what was this? How did they, how did they operate? Because however that was, it was very essential for them uh, to start out on their Christian journey. Um, so, so tell us uh, if you can, or well, let's let's dig into the essentials. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, Anthony. The essential, if, if you just said it in one word, it's Jesus. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> the problem is, to a lot of people, Jesus means a lot of different things. So let's get real specific uh, about what it is about Jesus. Let me give you just a little bit of backdrop on the essentials, too, because we talked about this uh, in the first two podcasts. When you really uh, peel everything back in the New Testament, like, I remember as a teen uh, trying to figure out this whole thing about Christianity and and uh, 
you know, I had a football buddy trying to help me to understand these things. And it just, you know, it's, it boils down to, I always just say it's real simple. There's four things we talked about. There is a God. He is loving and holy. I, I'm alive and he made me, uh, but I have a sin problem and he loves me so much. He sent Jesus to die for me uh, as a sacrifice of atonement, as the model for my life to be my king and reigning Lord every day. And then I respond by faith. But when we say that we are sinners, here's something that uh, a lot of people don't realize, hey, and I just think it's important to say it. I remember being really convicted of my own sinfulness. And, uh, you know, when I was coming to the point of giving my life to Jesus, and it was like, woe is me because of my sin. And that is missing in a lot of places and a lot of churches today. Like God is holy and my sin is a big deal. And uh, I've got to do two things. One is I've got to uh, come to Jesus as the sacrifice for my sin, but I also have to acknowledge it and pledge myself to give it up, that I'm not going to live a sinful life. Because if I don't, the Bible teaches that hell is a reality. Because God is holy, he would fail to be God if he did not punish sin. So at the heart of what's essential in the New Testament is the reality that we're all going to be accountable to God. Uh, Romans 14 says, we all must stand before the judgment seat of God. Uh, Second Corinthians, as we looked at, says, to answer for the things in the body. And if if I my sin is not taken away uh, by Jesus and by his sacrifice through my faith in him, through my faith in the gospel, then I will be punished for my sin according to the degree of my sin, the Bible teaches, in eternity after death. And there is no, once I die, there is no opportunity for a second chance. So this is essential stuff. We're talking about heaven and hell. We're talking about eternal destiny. And so getting the essentials is so important. So, so with you, that background, yeah, let, let, me, sorry, let, me ahead, just, let me let me let me let me underline some of these things as we're going through this. So we must recognize and, it, and it's kind of interesting because as we grow and develop, uh, we're, you know, coming up, of, coming of age, learning who we are, understanding that we are, you know, our own unique being. As we begin to examine that, we start to find out, as you pointed out. There's something bigger than me in, in all of this creation. There's something much larger. There is um, a God that, that created all of this. Like, I, I didn't get here by myself. You know, it's one of those questions that we, that we all ask. Where did I come from? So as we investigate that and I understand, okay, that there is a God that made this, I need to get to know him because he's bigger than me. And he runs the universe. And so and, and he even made me. But then as we begin to look at this, as you point out, within ourselves, we start to find, man, I have these tendencies that I have issues controlling. I, I, I wake up and my body yearns for something to eat. It yearns for something to drink. It, it yearns to do a lot of these things. I find 
pleasure in some of the things that I do. And I, I'm just kind of moving. So, I, you know, as we look at the morality of what we do, the purpose behind what we do, we start to find out right and wrong. This is wrong. This is right. Or this is I need to quit doing this. So when we put those together, as you point out, there's a God that made this world. I need to get to know him and understand the purpose that he has for me in the world. And I need to understand where I fit in because I've got some problems. Now, if we follow this track and if we follow this as we study scripture, I mean, we find from the very beginning, this sin thing is a major issue in the heart of mankind, from the very first pages of Scripture, we find it is the biggest problem for humanity. It's the biggest problem of humanity, and and we are daily contributing to this problem. So we got to do something about this. And I know we're we're cutting to the chase by pointing out the essentials, but but God did a lot of giving throughout. Uh, the existence uh, in scripture of mankind in scripture. He, he had a direct relationship with Adam. He had a direct relationship with the patriarchs, as we call them, you know, Abraham, Moses, etc. And And he's giving instructions on what to do. But as Moses comes, he gives his law uh, and he sends several prophets down the line to reiterate his law and to reiterate his will and direction for us. But we kept having the tendency to walk away from it, to, to ease away from it. As the scripture says, like sheep, we went astray. And so in one, you know, last uh, major effort that God makes, he says, OK, I've I've sent you my word, you know, through the prophets. I, I sent you the law. I sent you prophets to tell and judges to tell. Now I'm going to give you my son. Um, and, and he was, he is God's only begotten son, his unique son that has no sin issue, that has none of the flaws that we have, and that lives out the will of God perfectly. But, and, and that, that's great by itself, but even his life culminates in this sacrificial atonement. Uh, the scriptures teach that the wages of sin is death. So because of his atonement, he satisfies the wages of my sin so that his death means that we now must live, but we don't get to live any way we want to live. We must live according to the purpose and plan of God, right? Oh, that's good, Anthony. So here's uh, the reality you pointed out about Moses, the law of Moses, and the purpose of it. So a real interesting scripture in Romans chapter 3, God inspires the Apostle Paul to say this, through the law, we become conscious of sin. In other words, I can remember when I was not a Christian, and I have many friends who are not Christians, and, and they think they're pretty good people. They think that, you know, God loves them, and they're good, and well, because they're good and God's good and only a very few people go to hell like Adolf Hitler and Osama bin Laden, we're all going to make it. And the reality is none of us is going to make it. Like, you know, uh, sometimes people use the analogy that, you know, if, if my if I think I'm a pretty good swimmer, say if I'm in California 
and I can swim 25 miles, I think it is, to Catalina Island, I'd be a great swimmer. Well, what if you have to not only swim from uh, 25 miles to Catalina Island, what if you have to swim all the way to Hawaii? Who could make that? Well, nobody could make that. Well, that's kind of like holiness, God's holiness in our sin. It's like we have to be perfect. Let, let me read to you from Romans 3 where Paul says, through the law we become conscious of sin. Before that, he says this. He says, as it is written, there is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands. No one seeks God. And what he means by that is nobody really understands. Nobody truly seeks God. All have turned away, and together they have become worthless. There is no one who does good, not even one. In other words, there's no one who's a truly good person. And then he says this. He quotes the Old Testament. Their throats are open graves. Their, th their tongues practice deceit. The poison of vipers is on their lips. Their mouths are full, are full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. And you might say, well, I don't do that. Well, how about our society? We're a part of a society, and we're all contributing to this. And then he ends it, and he says, uh, the way of peace they do not know. There is no fear of God before their eyes. So the good news of the gospel the gospel just means, that word just means good news. The good news can only be understood in light of the bad news. And the bad news is we are all sin, we've all sinned against a holy God, and only God by his Son has provided for our sins to be taken away. And, and the gospel is that because God did this for us, we have to not only believe it intellectually, but believe it head, heart, and hands. In other words, we've got to trust and follow the Jesus of the gospel. And uh, if we do that by repentant faith, he will take away our sins. Mm. So we've got a list that we want to share. Uh, these elements of the gospel itself. Um, yeah. let's go through those. I'll go through uh, one and we'll just kind of alternate, um, that Jesus, the good news is that Jesus is the saving King. And, and point number one is that he preexisted as God, the son. And, and one of the elements that, that we must believe is that Jesus is God, the son. That may trip up some folk to understand, but I, I, I got to wrap my mind around that. I have to believe and accept that because with him being the God, God, the son, uh, he has authority. He has power. Um, he was in the Old Testament. So now I know that what I'm reading in the Old Testament, if I believe that, as he tells us in John 14, you believe in God believe also in me. So I, I got to go through all of that as well. Uh, interesting point, number one, that he pre-existed as God the Son. What else, Bob? Well, by the way, if you're following along, uh, we have uh, some handouts on this, and I want to encourage you to go to renew.org media. And if you follow this podcast link there, it'll take you to a landing page where you can see this. Um, so this is the gospel, the good news, the good announcement. Mm -hmm. And uh, the second thing is 
uh, and we've got 10 points that summarize the gospel. Now, a person doesn't have to know all of these 10 points. Like, I didn't know them. Uh, I bet, Anthony, you didn't know them until you got older. But we're trying to say, here's the gospel. The gospel represents and summarizes the, the uh, essentials. So there's the gospel. The second thing is the gospel response, which we'll come to. And then thirdly, gospel benefits. Like what happens to us because the good news is so great and is this essential thing. And those who have it, what do they have that those who don't have Jesus and the gospel they don't have? <clears throat> so the second thing is he was sent by the Father. Now, um, we most most of our listeners would have heard all you had to do is be at a football game, right? God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son that whosoever believes in him would not perish but have eternal life. That passage goes on and says, those who do not believe that God's wrath remains on them because their sin is not taken away. In John three thirty six. Back to mm. you for number three. Mm. Wow. Uh, number three, he took on human flesh in fulfillment of God's promise to David. Um, I, I'm seeing immediately in my mind, uh, John chapter 14, where uh, John lets us know that he is the word that put on flesh and dwelt among us. Uh, wow, what a powerful statement and what a powerful revelation to those who would have received him to know he is the living Lagos, the word yeah. put on flesh. You know, Anthony, uh, when God became incarnate, became enfleshed uh, in fulfillment to the promises of David, a lot of people don't realize that the whole Old Testament, this is a major theme, mm -hmm. that God's going to send the Messiah. Uh, God's going to send the descendant of King David, who was the greatest king of Israel. Uh, in 2 Samuel chapter 7, God promises, and uh, in the Psalms, he promises. And he told David, he said, uh, I'm going to raise up uh, a whole house for you, a, a lineage of you through one of your descendants. And uh, of course, the name Jesus Christ means Jesus. It's not first name Jesus, last name Christ. In the first century, they would have gone Jesus, son of Joseph, or Jesus of Nazareth. So Jesus Christ means Jesus the Messiah, Jesus the long-promised king. Mm. So really, one of the things we could say, and I'd like to say because it's actually what it's getting at, is Jesus the king, Jesus, King Jesus. When we say Jesus Messiah, we're saying Jesus is the Messiah, the Messianic king, the long-promised descendant of King David. And I think it's pretty awesome. I'm with you. That's pretty awesome. <laughs> Hit me with the next one, Bobby. Number four. Okay, number four. I actually want to quote a passage on this, but it says, He died for our sins in accordance with Scripture. And then that's going to lead to five where he was buried, mm -hmm. and six, he was raised on the third day in accordance with Scripture. Now, Anthony, if I can, I'd just like to read to you from 1 Corinthians 15, because I love this. Yeah. <clears throat> I love this passage. 
So the Corinthians were like a lot of churches today. They're messed up on a bunch of things. They're fighting with each other. Chapters 1 through 4 talks about how some people like this leader and other people like that leader, and they're fighting, they're doing this, doing that, the other. They're struggling with sexual immorality in the church, and what should they do about it? And Paul's telling them what to do. What do they do about idols? What do they do when they come together? Blah, 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 blah. But then he gets he, he gets right down to it. Listen to this, because he says, hey, I want your attention. This is essential stuff. He says it this way. Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel. Again, the word gospel means good news. Mm -hmm. In the ancient world, it meant something happened, and that was a good thing. And because of the something that happened, everything's changed. So it's a great, good announcement. So he says, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stance. So this is like, you know, people talk about it's a hill worth dying on. Mm -hmm. That's what he means. You've taken your stand on this hill. And then he says it again. Like he's really making the point here. By this gospel, you are saved if you hold firmly to the word I preach to you. Otherwise, you've believed in vain. So, wow. And then he says it again in verse 3. <laughs> Listen to this. For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance. Yes. Well, what is it? That Christ died for our sins in accordance to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas and then to the twelve, and after that he appeared to more than five hundred. So he like this is this is a summary, if you're to sort of look at the core of what's going on in the gospel, there is a Messiah. He died for our sins according to Scripture. He was buried. He was raised on the third day according to Scripture. And that means our sins are taken away. Uh, we've been free. Everybody who places their faith in him has salvation, eternal life, and all of God's promises. So that's why it's so. I'm so grateful that we took the time, Anthony, to talk about the evidence for Jesus because it's pretty amazing. Oh yes. So so this is this was something and you point this out. Um, you know, we we Bobby and I both have been preaching for many years and have studied the word for many years, etc. More than you, you're still a young one. Yeah, I'm still a young one. Um, but we are we're we get so excited about this because it it's it's true number 1. And it, it it walks through, you know, Paul, who he has his own story. I'm sure one of these uh, episodes, we're going to walk through uh, the life of Paul. But as Paul is talking, and you point out, Bobby, as he's talking to this church that was riddled with issues, it, it's almost like he has to, he ends it on this note to say, hey, guys, listen, let me give you what you need and why you need it. Um, you know, we could fuss all day about behavior and he needed to. We can talk all day about these extemporaneous issues you're dealing with. But let me give you the crux of the matter. Yeah. That Jesus Christ, uh, the, the, the son of God, this what makes the gospel uh, amazing, which is what you pointed out. It's good news because it is standing out front on the backdrop of this bad news that we lived in. 
So yeah. now we emerge from and this bad state. To. Yeah. Like that, and, we're de- and everybody around us is destined to. Yes. And that's why we got to share this good news. Yes. It's the way of salvation. It's the way to be right. It's the way we're going to talk about the benefits. Yeah. <clears throat> They're amazing, but they're only through the gospel. Absolutely. He died for our sins. According to the scriptures, he was buried. If you're keeping a list, died for our sins. Number four, number five was buried for our uh, was buried. And number six was raised on a third day in accordance with the scriptures. And then Bobby went over as well. Number seven, he appeared to many witnesses Uh, and we'll slide this in for some of our uh, apologetics fans out there to know this was not the conspiracy that was put out about Christ that somebody stole his body from the tomb and you know we don't know where it was no the same one appeared to witnesses and and that's so important because he was crucified publicly and we also see him resurrected publicly so this that's a major point uh as well what about number eight, Bobby, after we understand okay. some of these things of the gospel? Yeah, let me mention this one because it, it's so important. Uh, it's covered in the book of Acts chapter two. <clears throat> let me just tell you what it is and I'll explain it. He is enthroned at the right hand of God as the ruling Christ or the ruling Messiah, the ruling king. A lot of people have a gospel that's not this full gospel. In, in just a minute, once we lay out the gospel, I'd like to take a few minutes and talk about false gospels, uh, uh, like there's one called the transactional gospel. Um, But this gospel includes the fact that it didn't just happen back then. Jesus wasn't just the Messiah back then. He wasn't the king back then. He's raised, he's reigning at the right hand of God. He's the king now. Now, most people don't know it. Most people aren't living under his <clears throat> under his kingly re- reign. Most people haven't embraced his kingdom the way they should. But we have a king. We're in his kingdom. He's reigning right now. And uh, it's so important to know he's reigning and he's coming back for us uh, so that we can properly live our lives with the knowledge we want to be ready when our king comes back. We want to honor our king today because he's aware of our lives and he loves us, but he's called us to be faithful and obedient to him. So he's enthroned at the right hand of God. I I mentioned Acts chapter two. Here's what happened in Acts chapter two, Anthony. The apostle Peter explains to everybody on the, it's called the day of Pentecost when God, you know, uh, had this festival and all the Jews were in Jerusalem. And Peter explained about Jesus being the promised descendant of King David, the promised Messiah. And then he says this in chapter 2, verse 36, God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. In other words, God has made him that. That's, That's what he is now. And the Bible says the people were cut to the heart. And uh, they said to Peter and the apostles, brothers, what should we do? And then they, they're told how to respond. Um, but I think it's so important to see that. So that is verses 34 through 36, that realization 
that he's at the right hand of God enthroned as the ruling Messiah. Mm. Both. I, I love that uh, passage in Acts 2. He is both Lord and Christ. And you mentioned the Christ portion of that, uh, the, the name uh, being the Messiah, the Savior. But the he's king. also the king. Yeah. But he's also our Lord. And, and, and the thing about it is and what makes that, you know, very crucial for us to understand is that I, I can't have just the saving part. Just save me from my sins, but not have the Lord part. He's both Lord and Christ. So right. you saved me, but you're also my king. Um, and, and, and that we can't separate those. And I love how right. God makes it explicit. He's he's both one. And he in number nine, he sent the Holy Spirit to his people to affect his rule. Now, Jesus, before he leaves, he has this uh, critical meeting with his disciples. They were a little shaken by it. He tells them, y'all, it's, it's time now. Um, my time has come uh, and I've got to go. And they go in this whole panic of, well, where are you going? And, and can we come and uh, don't leave? And he's, no, I've got to do this because if I don't, then I you won't receive my Holy Spirit and he's coming. I'm sending him as well. And so we recognize this after his resurrection and ascension in Acts chapter two, coming in with his own drum roll, like of the sound of a rushing mighty wind, Holy Spirit unleashed and to affect his rule. Praise God. Finish out this uh, portion for you and, and comment, if you will, uh, but finish out this list number 10 uh, yeah, on the gospel. When we talk about the gospel response, we'll get to this. Mm -hmm. uh, for example, in, in Acts chapter 2, God promises everyone who repents, and that is that they say, I don't want to live in sin. I want to live for you, God. And they place their faith in Jesus. And he, and he tells people to repent and place their faith in Jesus in baptism. The key thing there is the faith in Jesus. He says that God would give them the forgiveness of sins mm -hmm. and the gift of the indwelling Holy, Holy Spirit. Spirit. Mm -hmm. So the Holy Spirit is the invisible presence of God coming into our lives to dwell with us. Um, we, you will often hear uh, people talk who are devout Christians about their personal relationship with God. The Bible actually describes it as being led by the Spirit, uh, walking in the Spirit. That's that's how we have a personal relationship. Mm -hmm. And the idea that God is present, and He's in my life, and He's in your life, Anthony, mm -hmm. and He's softening our hearts. He's helping us to follow His kingdom rule, where we care about what God wants. Like one of my friends today talked to me, because I I, I've shared with him over the years how often I struggle with my weight. And he says, you know, I've been your friend for a long time, uh, and you talk about it. And, uh, you know, he knew, knows I repent all the time. But he said, you, you need to do, you know, I know you want to do better and you need to do better. And he said, if you want, I'll make, <laughs> not I'll make, I'll, I'll provide accountability for you. Yeah. And it's like, it's like, I think he's telling me what the Holy Spirit's telling me. Sure. 
And that is that this is an area of my life. So when I say that, I, I trust and have experienced the Holy Spirit living in me that came to me and come to Christians because of the gospel of Jesus. It's a part of the gospel mm -hmm. that we get the Holy Spirit to live within us and walk with us to be the presence of God. Thank you, Bobby. That that's um, that's amazing. Um, so he, as the Holy Spirit works, he's come to affect his rule uh, in each of us individually, um, and and this helps us. He's a he's a helper. One of the the names that that is given to him in Scripture. He's a helper for us, and this same Jesus the good news of the gospel of Jesus, this same Jesus will come again as the final judge. Yeah. Uh, let me read uh, this part uh, from the New Testament, this part of the gospel. Again, I, I think it's something that people don't think about, but it's, it's embedded in every layer of the gospel. Mm -hmm. uh, read through the book of Acts, read through the, uh, the letters that Paul and Peter wrote, like this is a part of the whole thing. Mm -hmm. And it goes back to why we want to be loyal to King Jesus every day. It says this, now, brothers and sisters, about times and dates, we do not need to write you. Well, times and dates for what? He says, you know very well that the day of the Lord, which is their expression for the return of Jesus, mm -hmm. you know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying peace and safety, destruction will come on them suddenly as labor pains on a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. So we, as believers in Jesus and the gospel, we look forward on the horizon. He's coming back. He's coming back to judge the living and the dead. The Bible teaches a universal time as a part of the gospel where we will all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And of course, those who believe the gospel, when he returns, he will meet with each of us. The Bible says we will all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. But those who uh, had faith in Jesus and the gospel, he will say to us, uh, your sins are forgiven. Come and share in your master's happiness throughout all eternity. Praise God. So I think I may have mentioned uh, in, in one of our previous episodes, um, the seeker, um, the, 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 the person that desires a right relationship with God, you know, what are some of those things they must do? And, and as we're dealing with this subject, the essentials, um, I phrase it this way. There are facts to be believed. There are commands to be obeyed and there are promises to be enjoyed. So we've gone over 10 of the facts that are to be believed. Uh, but now there's a time for the seeker, the journey. They must respond. Right. How, how do we. Respond and, and 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 before you jump in, let me let me say this. You know, those facts are not just um, water is wet, grass is green facts. These are facts that invoke 
a response, you know, to say Jesus is who he is. And we've gone through the historicity of him and the authenticity of him to say that, wow, I've got to do something with this information. You know, it's, it's, it's almost like a fire, right? If I told you, hey, the house is on fire, we don't just sit and accept that as, well, okay, it's just going to be warm. No, I got to respond and do something. So now that I believe this, what's the response? So um, let, let, me, let me delineate three things. Uh, I think I mentioned them earlier, but just in case I didn't, there's the gospel, mm-hmm. which is that which is essential. And the gospel is focused on Jesus. And we've just been through the gospel. Then there's gospel benefits. What, what is offered to us because of the gospel? Like what do human beings get from our loving father in heaven? And then there's the gospel response. Like uh, we have to respond. So let me uh, just uh, reiterate the gospel benefits. Oh, Anthony. let's talk about let's talk about the benefits. Yeah, yeah. So uh, we're just going to summarize it, and I'll, I'll summarize uh, nine. It's just a summary. There's so many benefits, and yeah. you may want to add to or comment on this. So here are the gospel benefits. The first is new life in His kingdom now, like. The kingdom of God is not just for then and there when we die. It's for here and now. It's his presence. We walk with him. We become more like Jesus. Uh, We have his power. Uh, We care about the things he was. You know, the biggest thing that changed for me after I uh, was uh, baptized and followed Jesus is that before I was baptized, I hardly ever thought about God. Afterwards, I thought about him all the time. And it's because of the Holy Spirit and my awareness of his kingdom. Secondly, forgiveness of all past sins, forgiveness of sins now when I confess them uh, uh, and walk in the light, uh, the indwelling Holy Spirit, the ongoing forgiveness of sins in the presence, the promise of life after death with God. Number six, the promise of life after death with my brothers and sisters in Christ. My parents are really old. My dad's 89. And, you know, we've just about lost them several times. But I know because they're followers of Jesus that I'll see them again and be with them again. And my grandparents and my sister who died and uh, good friends that I've had uh, over the years who are Christians, we get to be together. Number seven, future life in the consummated kingdom, the new heaven and new earth, which will be a paradise existence without death, where there's no more death, no more crying, no more pain, uh, all old things are gone. God will provide a new life with our imperishable, powerful, and bodies that will not in any way break down or succumb to disease or sin. A future life in a new spiritual, powerful, imperishable body and the promise that all my sacrifices and service for King Jesus will be rewarded in the new heaven and new earth. Anthony, this is one of the benefits of the gospel that we often forget, is that when we believe in the gospel and live our lives for the gospel, and we make sacrifices uh, financially or with time or uh, energy, people often talk about time, talents, and treasures. Mm-hmm. God is going to reward us for the sacrifices in this life. So those are the gospel benefits. Anything you want to add to that? No, no, no. That's, uh, you know, we... we we move, we act, we do, 
and we do have a, a, a mindset of, okay, well, how does this all work out? You know, what, what, what are the benefits of living in Christ versus living in the world? Uh, what are the benefits of living according to scripture versus living in the world? And you pointed out, we're just sharing uh, nine of the many benefits of the gospel there. We will, you know, this entire podcast is going to deal with so many more of the benefits that come from living according to all that scripture teaches. We're just looking at this one spectrum of what uh, the gospel benefits are. That's I'm amazed. Yeah. All right. Let's talk about gospel response. Mm -hmm. And the basic gospel response is faith. Here's how the Bible describes it. Uh, uh, that um, salvation is by grace through faith. This not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. So salvation, this right relationship with God is by grace. It's by grace, by the gospels, by what God has done. God so loved us that he sent his son by grace through faith. So faith is the human response where we say, yes, yes, I believe. Yes, I attach myself. Yes, I'll follow. And then part of that, he goes on and says, for we were created in Christ Jesus uh, with good works to do. So faith is the language in the New Testament of the human side of the relationship with God. In fact, I've got seven points here, Anthony. Let sure. me just try to describe them. I'm not trying to make faith complex. Faith is, it's the Greek word pistis. Uh, the verb is pistuo, which we often translate believe. So faith and belief in scripture, it's the same root word. And it's where we turn to God and say, yes, I believe. Yes, I, I attach myself to you. So seven key things about that. It is the human side of the relationship with God. It is birthed and nurtured by God's invisible spirit. When I say yes to faith in Jesus, I'm saying yes to the prompting of the Holy Spirit. Now, I can say no, mm. but those who truly believe say yes. By the way, if you're wondering about that, uh, the book of Acts chapter 7 uh, has a group of people hearing the gospel, and they resist the Holy Spirit, and they don't believe. Number three, it starts small and transforms your head, heart, and hands, or your mind, emotions, and will. The, when the person first comes to have faith, uh, they may not know a lot. They may not obey a lot. But the key thing is, is it genuine? Is it a genuine relationship? And then God works with us to help us become who he wants us to become. Number four, it's a covenant commitment. Uh, when you think of a covenant commitment, think of like a wedding ceremony is a covenant commitment. So it's a covenant commitment is to be expressed in repentance, which is the explicit decision. I'm going to turn away from sinful lifestyles with God as my helper. I'm not saying I'm going to be perfect because nobody can say that, but it's my desire not to live in sin. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it's a covenant commitment to be expressed in repentance, confession. Hey, Jesus is Lord. Jesus, I believe in you and baptism. So I, I like the analogy of a wedding ceremony. Uh, you know, at a wedding, so when I got married to Cindy, we had a ceremony. Uh, we, uh, it was a, it was a deep rooted commitment. Second biggest commitment I ever made after, after my commitment to Jesus. This is right. It was expressed. It was expressed. I was turning away from all other women. 
to be loyal to Cindy. Mm -hmm. And uh, I said, I had words I said, I will love and cherish till death do us part. And there was a ceremony where there was rings exchanged and a kiss. And, uh, and likewise, that's the covenant, how you make the covenant of faith in the gospel. It grows through personal engagement with God in obedience and faithfulness. It grows as it's nurtured. I always tell people there's four things that are going to nurture your faith. The word of God, the people of God, the spirit of God, and the mission of Jesus. Like obeying and following and making disciples and, and being about the kingdom. And lastly, it necessitates ongoing repentance from sinful lifestyles. Not that, I mean, I even described how I still struggle with, you know, honoring God with the way that I eat every day, probably be my biggest sin area that I still struggle with. But, you know, I, I pick myself up by his help and I confess and, and I, I walk with him every day. So nobody says I'm never going to sin. It's just, I'm not going to give in and just say it's okay to live in sinful lifestyles. So here's the summary. Uh, we like to say in my church, we like to say faith is to trust and follow Jesus. And what we mean by that is we're going to trust what he says. We're going to follow and obey it. And that, that captures it. Some people say, you know, when they do these deep dives on the word for faith, faith is allegiance. That's right. In fact, a lot of people are saying that right now, the best way to translate that word would be allegiance. Mm. Allegiance mm -hmm. that we give our allegiance to God through Jesus. So it's allegiance, loyalty, and faithfulness. One of the ways I like to say it is faithful faith. We're saved by faithful faith in King Jesus. Man, I like that. Um, you know, the thing about faith, it's it's such a deep, rich word that um, you know, sometimes when we try to make it too simple. We miss some of the richness of it. As you pointed out, if we just simplified faith as, you know, just trust, you know, it's, it's a little bit deeper than just trust because it also involves the obedience. You know, Paul talks about that in Romans chapter one, an obedient faith. And, yeah, and that invokes the fact right, that it's, right. it's it's not just me believing, as we pointed out, you know, in the analogy I gave, you know, I believe that, you know, the grass is green. I believe that water is wet. Um, but if the weather person says, hey, it's going to rain today, if you believe it, you begin to make some changes in your life that moment. I, I got to grab an umbrella. I may need to change my shoes because of what I believe. So in the same way with with scripture, with the gospel, if I believe this, the response says, I got to do something. I, I, I got to, I, I, I must obey that which Jesus teaches, not just obeying, you know, just believing Jesus, but also believing what Jesus teaches. I, I've got to do that and obey that uh, because he is king. Uh, praise God that, that he is king. So this area deals with the essentials. And, and like you said, there's the gospel we must believe. There are benefits, there are promises um, that, that we benefit from as it relates to the gospel. And there is a response. It invokes a response. We can't sit on this 
and say, man, that sounds like a great story and move on. We must respond to the gospel. Mm. And there's an urgency, uh, Anthony, about that in Scripture. Mm. You know, that in Scripture you see this, today is the day of salvation. Uh, I've known people who are very close to surrendering to the gospel and following Jesus. My best friend growing up, he was my best man at my wedding. And the man who discipled me uh, was uh, spent a couple of days with him. You couldn't be around Mac Jacobs uh, back in those years and not go, wow, God's with that guy. And anyway, they spent the night before we got married. They were up till three in the morning. And I remember that uh, Mac told me that Kevin is really close. And uh, uh, but Kevin and he was close. I talked to him. But, you know, it's been many decades since then. And he never did respond. Mm. So today is the day. You don't, you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. Mm -hmm. And I would say if you're watching or listening to this and you feel convicted and you say, I want to repent, I want to place my faith in Jesus in baptism, then I want to just urge you to find a local church um, and, and just tell them. You can reach out to info at renew.org if you'd like help finding a church like that. But uh, I just I just want to encourage you not to wait, not to put it off, because today is the day of your salvation. Bobby, you couldn't put a better bow on that or a better pin in that. Listen, uh, we thank you all for listening. I have enjoyed this discussion uh, as it relates to the essentials. I want to underline uh, the link that Bobby told you about early on. Uh, we've got some information kind of in document form that we want you to look at regarding this. We have listeners that are listening to us, but also those who may be watching. You may see some things, but you can go to renew.org slash media and you'll find a link to our scripture in black and white podcast. And that will take you to a page that will have all kinds of information on the show as well as each episode and any notes and slides and images that we may have related to that. You'll find those there as well. Bobby, any final words? Well, I just, I love being with you. Uh, let me just sum up. What is the King? We call it the King Jesus gospel. The gospel is Jesus is the saving King. He died for our sins, rose from the dead. He's coming back. The gospel benefits our salvation, we enter his kingdom now and in eternity after this life. And the gospel response is to respond to King Jesus by faith, in repentance and baptism and confession and live a life of loyalty, allegiance and faithfulness. Wow. Thank you for that summary. Thank you all for listening to Scripture in Black and White. We'll see you next time.